Welcome to the Personal Branding Jumpstart Podcast, where we explore personal branding for your business or for your career. We are Renuka, Laura, Tyler, and we are the personal branding specialists hosting this show. So whether you are a business owner, employee, or fresh graduate looking to jumpstart your personal branding journey, then this is the podcast for you. So are you ready? Let's, Let's jump, jump into, into it. it. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Personal Branding Jumpstart Podcast. It's a public holiday as we are recording this. So, Tutale and Raduka, are you enjoying your day off so far? <laughs> Does not feel like a public holiday for me right now, I feel, with the lockdown happening. I, I don't know what public holidays are anymore. <laughs> it's not in your dictionary anymore, right? As business owners, we don't really get day off. But it's fine. I mean, we reap other benefits as entrepreneurs, right? So anyway, coming back to the topic today, it's episode 6. And the topic for today's episode is called Personal Branding for Career Transitions. We are going to focus particularly on people who are transitioning their careers. And why we decided to jump into this discussion today, because personal branding, if you're starting from scratch, it's probably a little bit easier because you have a blank paper. There are many ways you could start and build your brand. But what happens if you already started your career? What happens if you are transitioning career? That's where it becomes tricky. And we have seen a lot of challenges faced by our clients who are transitioning careers. And that is why we're dedicating today's episode on this topic. So here's how we're going to do it. We're going to start off by explaining what do we mean by career transitions. And for that, um, Ranika is going to explain to us what are the three scenarios that we typically see in career transitions. So career transition has been a very popular topic right now, especially in the pandemic. Many people are either moving into entrepreneurship or, you know, moving into different sides of their careers, right? But the thing is, a lot of information you find online is very skewed to one particular scenario, which is transitioning to like perhaps underemployment into you know, being a business owner. But what we see and what we observe right now in the current scenario is that there are different types of career transitions. And what we decided to talk about this round is the three most common type of career transitions in the marketplace, namely the first one. Of course, if you were to transition from being underemployment into being a business owner, congratulations, by the way, right? <laughs> And the second thing is moving from a smaller scale organization to an international company or an international organization. And the third one is if you decided to change your industry altogether, you know, like maybe a 360 change, something totally different from what you've been doing before. So looking at all these three different aspects, the way how you see personal branding for these three different types of career transitions need to be different as well, right? So without further ado, let's jump into it and let's share a little bit about what we mean by that. Yeah, okay. So I guess the first scenario we'll take a look at is the change in industry. So we see this typically across a lot of different positions. Um, like HRs, I see the transitioning industries a lot. Operations specialists, you know, build facilities managers and all that. I do see the transitioning industries a fair bit. And yeah, let, let's take apart what changes when you move industries, right? I guess on, you know, the other two examples, which we'll dive into a little bit later, you look at more into the sort of the way work flows, right? But within a change of industry, you have to understand and study an entirely new industry and how things are done. So some of the challenges that I think are major are some of the policies governing that particular economic sector. So for example, HR in manufacturing versus HR in a tech company, what you can and cannot do for the workers are entirely different, right? All the policies are completely different. And I think that's one of the huge challenges when it comes to that. 
Pranuka, you know, for example, you've dealt a lot with people in the, the medical industry, right. right? Like, you know, you're from the medical industry as well. So what would you say mm-hmm. are some of the challenges you notice from people moving into or out of the medical industry? Okay, for different industries, perhaps the emphasis on different aspects of the business is again different. I know I say the word different many times, right? By example, for healthcare, right? A lot of people might not know this, but it's a very relationship-based industry. So for that matter, right, perhaps when it comes to your personal brand, right, elements of approachability, elements of being open, right, is something that you might want to actually have in there versus if you were in an industry that is from, like example, finance and investment where, you know, the people element might not be as strong as healthcare. So these are some issues or rather, I would say, aspects that people need to focus on when you change industries, really understanding and studying the industry that you're going to move into and what's the general culture they are, what do they usually practice when it comes to their day-to-day that could really help you in molding your personal brand. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I realized when it comes to healthcare. I mean, I've always been in healthcare. I haven't really changed industry for the past 12 years. Until now, I, I run my own business. But for that 12 years, that's what I observed. I think one of the biggest challenges when it comes to changing industry is the fact that you're not an industry expert yet at the start. That's going to be a challenge with your personal brand because you may not look like you know what you're talking about. And it's going to be quite hard for you to speak out in meetings or make decisions because just the lack of knowledge overall is holding you back. So that would probably be the first thing that you want to look into. Build out your knowledge, build out your interests, your passion towards the industry that you're going to move into. Because when it comes to personal branding, it's not just about how good you communicate or how good you market yourself. Um, you need to market with substance and with depth. And of course, nothing beats having additional knowledge, additional information about the industry you're going to move into because that would definitely help when it comes to establishing your brand in this new industry. You know, but that's, that's a funny point as well, you know, because a lot of the, the people I coach are transition industries. One of the frustrating things is that they are experts in the job. They know the technicalities of the job itself, but because they're in a new industry, their knowledge somehow can't be carried across, some of it at least. You know, some of the old processes can't be carried across and that's incredibly frustrating for them. So while they are an expert and that's why they got the job, but the knowledge is like halfway there now. So they have to make that transition in terms of like knowledge, studying some of the jargon, the new words that people use in a company within that industry, how the relationships work, who is the big name that you need to take notice of and you know, so on and so forth. There's a lot of different intricacies that might cause new holes in your knowledge that you thought you had down before. So like that really changes your personal brand, so to speak, as an expert. Yeah, I think even people that you're dealing with becomes very different as well. Like different industries, we have to also kind of admit this. And again, it's not stereotyping here, but I suppose when you're in different industries, the people internally and externally, right? Whether it's your vendors, your internal clients are very different in the way how they are, the level of openness, you know, their culture, their what they like, what they don't like. It is very, very different. So having all of these things set up in mind and studying all this, right, before going into the new company is important actually. Rather than you go in and then you realize this one month down the road and then you feel that this is not a good cultural fit. Sometimes it's not really about the cultural fit. It's probably about the fact that you you probably didn't realize that there is such a big difference in terms of the industries there. Yeah. One such example, you know, it's like I had this software developer that I placed. She, She was moving out of a typical tech company, right? A software development house. Then she went to join like this manufacturing company. So they have like a factory automation and she was one of the automation engineers. So she was telling me like, you know, like first few months in the company, I was asking, how's, how's it going? Are you coping okay? And she said, yeah, one of the main differences about the industry is the way they prioritize certain parts of the work, like the code, for example, is so different. They expect you to adhere to different standards. They expect you to work in different hours. 
right? Because in a tech agency, you know, most of them are very laxed with it, right? You know, you get all the benefits of yeah. flexible working hours, flexible working locations. But in a manufacturing company, they expect you to be on site, on time, mm-hmm. and working in the exact same few hours. So she had to change the way she worked completely. Yeah, and, and I think that really makes a very big difference, right? I, I suppose if you didn't really take into those things into consideration, it can be a tough first few weeks in the new organization. Oh, yeah. And, and speaking of changing in industry, right, I think another aspect that everyone here needs to also be mindful of is the rise of startups, right? The rise of like fresh, new, hip, sexy startup businesses, right? And if you are transitioning from like corporates to startup, that's also a very different environment altogether, right? So what, what do you guys think? Do you have any experience in that? Changing from traditional corporate to startup? Yeah, I have. <laughs> I have my own personal experience, actually. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, because I did my internship in two super huge MNC, one in KL and another in Germany, actually. And both of them are global companies, which have been mm. established for many years. So when I was interning in big companies, you can see quite a huge difference in the culture. I mean, obviously in the big company, there are a lot more systems and processes, a lot more level of approvals. And the thing is, there are a lot more people as well. So the potential for you to stand out among the crowd is actually quite challenging because competition is really high in MNCs. That means you really need to focus on branding yourself because it's very easy to be drowned in a in a sea of people yeah. um, when you're working in an MNC. So that was one big difference that I noticed, the need for you to step up and to introduce yourself to your colleagues, to set appointments with people from different departments to make yourself known. All of this I did not have to do when I was in a startup. Because <laughs> in a startup, mm. it's so small. Like everyone knows every single person in the company. There's like less than 10 of us when I was working in a startup. So on day one itself, everyone already knows you exist. They know your job scope. (laughs) Uh, They have a personal relationship with you because the team is so small. And in the startup, because everyone carries a big portfolio, so your efforts are made known easier or quicker, if I could put it that way, because the team is just so small and everyone works with you on a day-to-day basis. So actually, when I was in the startup, I didn't focus too much on building my personal brand, in fact. I focused a lot more when I was in the MNC. Right. Again, simply because on day one, I think only people in my team know that I exist. But <laughs> even people in my department do not know there's this new intern in the team until I took the step to set up lunch dates or tea breaks session. Because when I was in a Biasdorf back in Germany, what I really like about Biasdorf is they encourage networking, actually. They encourage networking among the employees. They have this whole networking session called lunch date. It's not a networking session, sorry. It's an initiative. It's an initiative by the company uh, to encourage people within the company to network with each other. So it's not weird to be receiving random lunch requests from a total stranger <laughs> within the company because that was a culture that was set by Biostop, which I actually really appreciate as an intern where, you know, whose position is really not valued by a lot of people. At least I had the opportunity to meet so many people within the company because of this culture that was encouraged by the company and because we had our own in-house cafeteria. That made it a lot easier. All your lunch dates just could be set within the company itself and there's no need to travel far. So that was one really good culture that was practiced by this company that I was interning with. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's really cool. I mean, very different, right? You can see corporates and startups, are, they function very differently. So what do you think are some important things that we want to share with our listeners here? If they are in this particular boat, you know, they're changing industries, they're deciding or they are already 
oh, oh, too late. They already signed the offer letter. Right? It's happening. So what, what are some things do you think that they, they could focus on? There's two possible examples, right? One is moving from a small company to a large one. And then I'll cover the next one, which is, you know, from a large company to a small company. So the main difference in the personal brands within startups and within MNCs is within the startup, you can be more of yourself, right? You can really show more parts of your personality mm. because everyone knows each other already. And, you know, you can let people in a bit better. But an MNC, there's mm. so many people, like if you're working in like a thousand person MNC, nobody has time to remember your name specifically, but they remember like, hey, there's this guy in marketing that does this really well. I can't remember his name, but if you could ask the wrong the team and they'll find a the person. You know, that's a, that's a common way of how yeah. they point people within departments, right? Like, I can't remember the name, but there's somebody there that can help you. Just ask the department. So, okay, let's say if you're going from a startup, right? You're probably more used to being around people that you already know. You know, you come into the same office every day. You see the same people within the same space. You know everybody by name. You don't have to make an effort to introduce mm-hmm. yourself too well because you're going to go to lunch with almost all of them anyways, right? So, you, you spend less time branding yourself. But when you do move to an MNC, you need to understand that in every big company, there will always be politics and it'll be very apparent. And every politics in every company is very different. And that's not something you can really control. It changes as people come and go and leave the company, right? So the mindset to have is you can't be entirely yourself in the workplace. Mm -hmm. You can be that way with a few of your work friends, but not all your colleagues will be your friends, right? Let's face it, there's thousands of them. You can't be friends with everybody. Yeah. Perhaps, Tyler, you could expand that a little bit when you say like you cannot be entirely yourself. So what part of yourself should you portray and what parts should you reserve? Right. Good Good question. So more on your professional self. That has to be the emphasis. So you as a professional, what can you do? So that people need something done, they know who to go to. And that helps a lot with building your professional portfolio and, you know, building up your expertise within the company. So that's the first emphasis I put out is you use your professional self. What do you do well and what can people look for you for if they need something done? Yeah. Second part of it, parts of your personality they can show, I think is your demeanor. So how are you like with certain people, right? You have to be careful of which behaviors you reward with kindness. For example, you know, if somebody were to keep throwing it work to do that is not relevant to your job scope and, you know, it's not something that should be on your portfolio, but it should be on theirs. You have to reject them nicely without being rude. So even though you are normally the kind that's very blunt, you be careful who you're talking to. If you're talking to your manager, you can't talk that certain way. If you're talking to someone that's within your same scope and you're kind of close, you see each other every day, like, hey, do your job lah. <laughs> you know, you can say that. Oh man, don't say that, yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting that we're in this particular conversation because I have a very different point of view when it comes to this. I kind of feel one of the key things everyone needs to understand here is building visibility. So what do I mean by this uh, is that when you're in smaller organizations, right, your visibility is actually just externally, you know, you're just trying to build your visibility to your clients. But when you're in a bigger organization, right, your visibility is two ways. It's external and internal. You want to make sure people internally also really know who you are, right? And you're right. It's it's most of the time, these kind of organizations, we have like so many people in there, which reminded me of this morning I had a client after 20 minutes of talking we realized we were ex-colleagues can you believe that I've never seen him in my life (laughs) he has never seen me before and we work in the same company yeah so that's how how it is right but what I'm trying to get at is that sometimes visibility can be a few things when Laura you asked which part of your personal brand you need to really showcase on interestingly right sometimes some parts of your personal personality something about yourself that's a bit extra like maybe you know your talents something you can do very differently, you can sing well, example, all these things, right? 
I would strongly encourage you to really showcase this when you're in a bigger organization. Yeah, yeah, because yesterday I was just talking to my husband about this. Like, you know, for bigger organizations, there's things like talent shows. There's things where you have annual dinners and all that. Volunteering for things like emceeing or performing on stage, right, is a very, very quick way for everyone to really know who you are. That's why I really regretted not taking singing lessons. Uh. That's what I feel. <laughs> So for those of you who are still <laughs> new to the corporate world, it's not too late. <laughs> yeah, because I think that's, that's one of the things about internal side, right? But externally, here's what I noticed about the difference of smaller organizations. Let's, let's call them SMEs, right? SMEs to MNCs, right? Is that for SMEs, when you go out to the clients, right, you're branding yourself as yourself. Most of the time it's that because perhaps the company you work for isn't that popular, right? Isn't yeah. that well-known. But when you're moving into a very big MNC, right, sometimes you would notice that the company's brand overshadows you. The reason why people remember you from a client's perspective is because you are from this company, Example, you're from Johnson & Johnson. People don't know your name, but they know you're from Johnson & Johnson. So that's also something that everyone here needs to understand. You need to go to a bigger company. Of course, it's easier to knock into certain doors, but do not forget that you also need to brand yourself in that way because yeah. you don't own that big organization. You would move eventually in the future. So you want to make sure that after 10 years, still think of you as Laura from J&J, right? but rather yeah. you as a person itself. And I think that's a good point because like sometimes you get very caught up with like, oh, I'm joining a bit, this big company and you know I no longer need to spend so much to introduce myself and everything. But yeah, that, that's a yeah. really good point. I really like how Ranuka painted the picture about personal branding in the corporate world. You need to brand yourself internally and externally. So mm. it's not just all about external branding. It's also about internal. So while this is not so prominent in the SME space, but in the MNC, this is super, super crucial. Oh, yes. And yes, Ranuka, you also mentioned how don't let your company brand overshine you. I read an article on LinkedIn which talks about this and there was this statement written really well by this lady. I, I can't remember her name, but I remember what she said. Um, she said, when you're working in a big company, always remember that company is borrowing your personal brand for the time being. Mm. Right? So when they are borrowing it, it also means that you need to work on it in the meantime right. because once you leave the company, the brand is no longer going to help you with your personal brand. So you need to make sure that you, you work on your brand while you're still in an MNC. And I think a lot of people in the corporate world, they actually do focus quite a bit on internal branding, but they tend to push aside the external branding thinking that, oh, I, I'm not in a client servicing line or I'm not in a sales position, so hence I do not need it. But that's not a very healthy way to think about it because it's not guaranteed that you will work with this company forever, right? And I think, Ranuka, earlier you shared with us a story about how people want to transition from big companies to small companies. Sometimes just having big brands' names alone, it's not going to help them, Correct. Yeah, exactly. I think this is like really one thing that I personally have experienced before. My last job assignment under employment was a rather big pharmaceutical company. But before I joined that, I came from a very small organization. So when I came in, I really did realize, you know, like, wow, it's very different. Like what Laura mentioned earlier is true. You know, when you're in a small organization where there's only 20 people, right, you're like a star. You, know, you really don't, you just have to do just a little bit and people will know you for who you are, right? But in an MNC, right? Oh my goodness, everyone is mega talented. Everyone's really good at it. But it also brings me to another point which I have observed in my previous organization. I hope my ex-colleagues are not listening to this. I'm not naming names here, right? <laughs> but I, I think some people take this branding thing on a very wrong direction. They, they think the louder you are, the more visible you are. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so, like, I, I always practice this, like, which I also tell some of my clients. Number one, like, when you're in a meeting, 
you should ask at least one smart question. One enough really actually. One smart one. But not talk all the way around, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And the second thing is you never ever want to be the company clown. Oh no. Yeah, you know what I mean? The company clown where he or she is always the person that people joke about or they joke and you people don't take you seriously, lah, right? So you really want to stand out in a very subtle way. And, and I think that really has a lot to do with now recognizing yourself personally. What are some aspects, right, that if you were to showcase this in your company, it can mean a lot. Like when I was in pharma, our sales team comprises of about 20 people. And I want to tell you this, right? Like, I may be half Chinese, but I cannot remember people's names sometimes. And it's really hard. I remember some of them, right? Based on some aspects that really catches my eye. Like, example, there was this guy. Oh my God, he's amazing at playing badminton. So whenever we have badminton tournaments, this guy always gets the first prize. Wow. Right? So I would always remember that about him, you know? Like, I'll be like, oh, yeah, it's a sales guy who always gets first in badminton tournaments. So he's not loud, but that is one of his brand. He's very athletic that stand out for me, like, you know, in terms of visibility like, in some ways. Yeah, that's true. You know, I, I do kind of agree with that because to some degree, if you want to climb fast, you need to have some sort of social skill that will allow you to get up there, you know, because you, you know that outside of work is where most of the career growth happens, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Obviously, that's a priority, right? Branding yourself professionally, that's important. Mm. You want to really now start injecting a bit of your personal side to things like, you know, people yeah. who can really sing. Exactly. People who can play badminton, <laughs> etc. Et yeah. I mean, that's why it's called personal brand for a reason, right? There yeah. needs to be some element of your personality and your personal interest in your brand um, because that makes you mm. uh, stand out as well. So let's jump into our last scenario. Uh, one of the most common mm. scenario we've seen is transition from a corporate employee to becoming a business owner. So I believe each one of us have seen that quite a bit since we are all in the entrepreneurship space. And personally for me, I've seen quite a lot of transitions happening, especially from a corporate employee to becoming a financial planner. Like that's the most common that I've seen. I totally get why they make the switch as well. I mean, you know, it's quite rewarding from many different areas, from a financial perspective, from a, you know, lifestyle perspective and all. But a lot of them face this challenge. You know, they were not financial experts previously. They never showed any interest in the finance industry. And they certainly do not have experience in relevant industries as well, like in banking, investment, and so forth. And now they are put in a sales position and they have to promote financial products in order to grow their financial planning business. So I've seen a lot of people are feeling challenged in this area. In fact, I have a couple of clients who come to me saying, Laura, how do I brand myself now that I'm in this industry? So it's really not easy in an industry like financial planning. And especially even for myself, I want to engage someone who seems to have the experience in this industry. Or at least is good with finances, has, you know, proven track record that you have helped to grow portfolios or protect clients from financial losses. But there are also people like that who just made the switch and now they have to tell people that they are good at it. So what, what do you guys think about this? Uh, I guess I, I can pop in here, right? So I've been on like, the funny thing is about me is I started my career as like a freelancer that moved into corporate and now I'm back out. I, I guess it's a bit different, you know, because like my first transition has completely different fields. So from writing to recruiting and like, like you said, you know, as a recruiter, there's completely zero knowledge before that. Steep learning curve. I think one of the main things when it comes to that scenario where you're moving out, start a business where you have no, that your corporate experience or let's say your previous experience plays no part in. It's hard to convince people 
that you're good at something without offering what you actually know, yeah. right? So for example, you don't have case studies and all that, but if you understand the logic of what you do and what people look for, as long as you understand that there's a need for something that you offer and you sell it to those people first, that's probably the best way to start. But you have to at least, I think, responsibly understand what you're doing before you sell anything. I think that's that's why they, you know, for financial consultants, they have like the exam to take first, right? To get your license. I think that when it comes to this kind of career change, right, if we're talking particularly about these financial planners, right, it is definitely a very good idea to, I know as weird as it sounds, right, stick to really what you know before you make that switch, you know, and that could help you create a very good niche rather than going into the industry itself and then starting to immerse yourself in that and emulating the people that are in your industry because then it kind of feels that you're just repeating the mold, you know, like you're just going to be like any other financial planners out there actually. Yeah, something that I tell my financial planner client all the time is don't brand yourself as a financial planner that can do everything. (laughs) <laughs> because they tend, they have a tendency yeah. to do that. I help you protect your finances. I help you to grow it. I help you with will and trust. You know, I help you with estate planning. So I'm an all-in-one financial planner. But for me, when they tell me this, I said, you don't want to start branding yourself as someone who knows everything when clearly you just came into the industry, right? So you're still new into this. And hence, it's not fair for you to talk and say that you know everything. So avoid that. Instead, start with your own experience. So if you came from, for instance, an engineering yeah. background, okay, and you just made a transition to become a financial planner, talk about how engineers you know, can start financial planning because that is where you came from. Start to educate people who were from your industry. Exactly, exactly. Talk about the challenges that engineers were mm. facing. For instance, they do not have time. They are constantly on site. And on site, you know, they are often in the places where there's very weak internet connection. They even, you know, lose contact with their family for a few weeks. So obviously, financial planning is not in the top of your mind. So you could start with these kind of challenges. Talk about the stories about how you were once in that position. And you can craft your solution for people like this, where you came from, Shirley, right? So like Tyler mentioned, start from what you know. Start from your current knowledge. Um, start from your current expertise. Instead of going out and say, I know everything, you know? Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't be so kanchiong, I feel. But another important thing I want to also caution everyone when it comes to changing your industry, whether it's a financial planner or not, right, is... This is what I did like when I switched from being under employment to you know going into being a business owner is to really understand what's the most common misconception people have of what you do. And then the second thing is what's the most common stereotype people have of what you do as well. Because that would help you to kind of carve it in a way where now it's easy to know how to differentiate yourself from the others because if you just go in blindly right and you start making yourself feel like oh you know this is what my peers do this is what my peers in the, this industry does I, I should follow suit right you, you become no different lah. so that's what i did actually I, I just wanted to learn what was something that other people were doing right now and how can i actually take this and make it very different from, from my own experience you know because i previously was a recruiter but now moved out to do my own thing in interview consulting and all that in my case is different i chose to go niche because within the scope of recruiting i think all the candidates I've interviewed so far have enjoyed my interviews. So that's kind of part of where I realized that was where my strength was. And one of the lessons I had was don't try to be the company moved out of. Don't try to do everything that they do because you are one person, they are a whole company. You can't compete on that level. So just niche out, start with something first and you'll be known for that skill. But also tie that in with your personality because now you don't have to represent your company's brand. Yeah. Um, so you are your own army in that sense so you can carve out the personal brand that you want exactly like how you plan it to be 
you don't have to listen to certain company guidelines. Of course, you're part of a company, you have to adhere to certain guidelines, right? You know, it's only fair because you're paying you your salary every month. But when you are your own business owner and you're starting out, yeah, you know, it's good to think about what were you known for in your industry, in your job, who remembers you and how do they remember you? When you're working for a company, it's so hard to really chisel out. I had some difficulty as well trying to figure out which part of me during the meeting is me. And yeah. which part is the company's brand, you know? Because yeah. as, you know, you represent a company at sales meetings, you got to behave a certain way, right? But then when you move on, you know, you realize like, wait a minute. Yeah, I actually am a little bit more animated than, you know, being in a corporate suit and tie. So like you start being a bit different and that's okay too. <laughs> that's a really good one. You feel free. <laughs> Freedom to express yourself. Yeah, that's a really good one. So for those of you who are transitioning from a corporate world to becoming your own boss, things for you to think about would be number one, is this a new or existing industry that you're venturing into? If it's an existing industry, um, think about niching, niching your um, services and offering. And if it's not, you know, try to find your unique value proposition within this new industry that you're going to venture into, like the engineering financial planner example that we shared earlier. And the second thing to think about is how can you bring your personality, what people remember you about into this new business that you're about to start? Because that would be an excellent way to kick off your company, especially if you are a one-man show at the start. Okay, so just to wrap up, you know, the discussion we had across the three different scenarios. The first one we discussed was the change in industry. So if you're staying in the same job, but you're moving industries, what's different is basically more related to learning intricacies and the way the industry works. I think that's important to know and that's how you adjust your brand from there. Second part, we talked about moving from a small scale company to an MNC and vice versa and what differences you should take note of. If you don't know, listen back to the rest of the episode and find out again. And the last and definitely not least, if you are transitioning out from employment to becoming a business owner of your own, one of the key strengths you have is that you are now your own brand. You don't have to follow company guidelines. So you pre-brand yourself as you wish, but you have to be careful because there are some dangers with personal branding we should listen to in our previous episode, in episode five. All right. So guys, just to announce, this is the last episode for this season. So you might not hear from us for a little while, but this is where I'm going to tell you to follow us on our social. So we have an Instagram page called the PBJ Podcast. Be sure to follow us on there for you know all the future updates regarding the next season. We have some topics that we have discussed already. We are not going to tease any of them just yet. We have yet to order them out, but season two is in the planning. For more information updates, you know, as we go along, besides our Instagram page, you can also follow Ranuka, Laura, and myself on our LinkedIn. So Ranuka is Ranuka Singham. You can find on LinkedIn, Laura Wong and Tyler Chip. If you have been tuning in from episode one until today, thank you again for supporting us. As we mentioned, it's our first time doing this podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you've got any feedback on how we can improve, feel free to reach out to us personally on LinkedIn or on Instagram. Yeah, so thank you so much, everyone. And we hope to see you guys again as well in our second season. So with that, take care and stay safe. Stay safe, everyone. Bye. All right, bye.